going to start our morning off with a little trivia. We are always good for some trivia, and, and, and I think uh, that you'll enjoy this, and I'm guessing that most of you uh, will know a lot of the answers. The prizes are tremendous, uh, and okay, there's not many prizes, or if any, uh, but I'm going to give a date on the screen, and I want you to shout out uh, what significant thing happened on that particular date, okay? So, so let's see the first one. Let's show it. The first bombing of Hiroshima, first of two bombings, took place August 6, 1945. The United States, with the consent of the United Kingdom, as laid down in the Quebec Agreement, dropped nuclear weapons on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Pretty tremendous day, obviously a devastating day for millions of people, saddened, many people celebrated on the other side of the world, just a day that is, is knocked in history that people can't forget. How about the next one? I went a little bit. Oh, good guess, but no. What's that? No. No. Come on, Creek. It has to do with a wall. Ah, there we go. Let's see it. The fall of the Berlin Wall, November 9, 1989, the Cold War began to thaw across Eastern Europe. The spokesman for East Berlin's Communist Party announced a change in the city's relations with the West starting at midnight that day. He said citizens of the GR, uh, GR, GDR were free to cross the country's borders. Just an unbelievable day. That's not etched in our brains. We didn't know it instantly because we weren't truly affected directly, uh, but there are millions of people that that day they'd know in a second. How about this one? <laughs> See, most of us weren't alive <laughs> uh, on December 7, 1941. <laughs> the attack of Pearl Harbor. That, that day is obviously a major day in the history of the United States. Hundreds of Japanese fighters, planes, they attacked American naval base at Pearl Harbor near Honolulu. <clears throat> and it lasted for two hours, the barrage. They just kept coming at them. It, it, it destroyed nearly 20 American naval vessels, eight enormous battleships, and more than 300 airplanes. More than 2,000 American soldiers and sailors died in the attack, and another 1,000 were injured. We had never seen something like that 
on American soil in our life, and it was devastating. And that date will live on. You bet. It's 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 one moment in time that's just locked in. How about this one? <laughs> it is 9/11. The twin towers obviously were attacked at 8:40. 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on a clear Tuesday morning, American Airlines Boeing 767 loaded with 20,000 gallons of jet fuel crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. This one, a lot of you are alive. Most of you are alive. I was at the dentist office, just getting ready to go in the dentist office in Yorkville. You guys can tell me exactly where you were at when, when that happened, when you heard about it for the first time. Where were you, Steve? Tom, how about you? It was that second plane that really got everyone uh, alerted. Mark, how about you? Where were you at September 11th? Yeah. We, we, we remember that date. It, it's notched in our brain. What an unbelievable moment in time. How about this next one? No, you already saw. It's the day that I got married. Now, you guys don't know that, but you know what? That day is etched in my brain, about 72 degrees at Helmer Lutheran Church, and I married the love of my life. Right, babe? <laughs> Always love to embarrass. How about this date? when Dale Chapman died. You see another date locked in my memory that I will never forget, that 2 a.m. call as I stumbled off the bed and, and grabbed it from my brother Dan. You have a date in your mind that, that's just etched there, that, that you can't get out of your brain what, what, what is that? Someone give me one of those. March 4th. What happened? Well, it's not etched in your brain yet. He's already trying to lock his marriage in, in place. Give me a date. Bill, what do you got?
what happened that day. That was a good day, wasn't it, Bill? Yeah. Dan? That's a tremendous day. I was, I was there with the family <laughs> very much, and finally you came out of it, and you and Julie were snuggled in bed uh, at the hospital, if I remember the story correct. What, what a great day that was for the Cubs, not so much for Dan. Tom, how about you? What a tremendous day. I remember December 22nd, 1998, the day we found out that we were pregnant, that we were going to have our first baby. Hey, we are one. We are one. You see, we all have, have dates. And that's what we're going to see in the story today is that there are going to be these times, these moments that are just locked in. Some of them super sad. When I say October 2nd, 2015, tears can come to my eyes. And then others could be completely joyful, like the wedding. These dates are just locked in, and we're going to... We're, we're going to dig in today to Joseph. This is the ninth sermon of the series talking about Joseph. And now comes the big reveal. You see, Joseph, he hasn't told his brothers that have come to Egypt who he is yet. They still think he's the prime minister. They're still looking at him saying, oh my goodness, we just need to obey him. We need to listen to every word he says or we're going to be in huge trouble and, 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 he, and he keeps taking one of our brothers, and, and now he's taking little Benjamin. He's taking little Benjamin. And Judah comes back and says, no, 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 please, please. And he just says, do not take my brother. My father, Judah says, will die. He can't handle it. He's already lost his favorite son, and now he's going to lose his second favorite son. The two boys that were born of Rebecca, his absolute love. He remembers the day that he married Rebecca too. Uh, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Thank you, Bill, for the correction. See, that's the church we are. <laughs> we're willing to correct in the middle. I appreciate that. But he, he, he's now sitting in a situation where Joseph's got to decide is it time? Is it time to reveal? It's going to be a moment in time that obviously he will never forget. It's going to be a moment in time that his brothers uh, don't forget either. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to read the entire chapter, but instead of all of us standing, I'm going to have two people stand at, at different times, and they're going to read the entire chapter for us. Uh, and this is Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45, the entire chapter, and we'll, we'll start with, obviously, verse 1, and we'll, and we'll have Tiffany, if you will read through verse 15.
Thank you, ladies. Heavenly Father, Lord, pray that you bless our time, bless the words that you have prepared. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we see that this chapter obviously records scenes that are taking place in Egypt. And as, as the chapter was being read, we could see several different things that Joseph, um, Joseph experienced uh, from Joseph's perspective. First, we see that Joseph examines his brother's hearts. He's actually doing an examination of his brother's hearts. He's, he's not just resting on one single time of seeing what's going on. Because remember, this has gone back and forth uh, for several months, in a sense. It, he wanted to make sure that their hearts were truly changed, that their hearts were truly transformed, which I find doing that I do myself sometimes. If somebody's uh, done something against me, sometimes I, I, I don't give them all of the, um, I don't give them 100% trust unless they prove themselves uh, to be trustworthy. Maybe, maybe Sherry would say that, that I, I do trust people really quick and I forgive extremely quick and I forget uh, a lot uh, when, when people have done stuff against me. But, but I think, I think when we look at Joseph, and we see his process, you know, some of us may question saying he took too long, uh, he did it too quick. Some of us saying he should have just thrown him in prison. But Joseph is really examining what his brothers are thinking. He's really trying to see uh, from their perspective what's going on in their heart. And, and he wanted to protect himself, just like we want to protect ourselves sometimes. We protect ourselves uh, from those who probably are looking to do harm on us for some, for some reason. We also see that Joseph's emotions overwhelm him. He, he's just overwhelmed with emotions. We've seen this many times that, that Joseph actually, uh, one commentator said he's a crybaby. And, and because he cries five, six times. And, and, and sometimes that's seen as a weakness when you're a man. When many people would argue that it's actually a strength. But, but his emotions just overwhelm him. Just imagine that scene. Joseph is there. And he's thinking to himself, oh my, now is going to be the time that I reveal what's about to come. I remember some odd years ago, we went to Disney World the day after Christmas. You remember that? And the kids had no idea that we were going to go to Disney World. And we did a, the big reveal. And I was more excited for Christmas than my kids because I knew what was about to happen. I was so excited for that. And, and that's, that's nothing compared to this. Joseph is about to tell his brothers who he really is. He is about 
for the first time in 20-something years to give his brothers hugs, to, to take his little brother in his arms and just grab him and, and hold on to him. He is about, for the first time, maybe in a long time, to speak his native tongue. And that's interesting to think about. You know, maybe he was, maybe he was in the, the restroom just talking to himself out loud using his native tongue. I don't know, but most of the time he's, he's speaking Egyptian. And now he's about, he just knows this is what's coming up and he's overwhelmed. He's realizing that he is truly going to expose his identity. And, and once he does that, everything's different. Everything is different. He is no longer seen as just the prime minister. He is now their brother. He is no longer uh, having the ability to do uh, things to them where they don't have any idea what's going on. They'll realize he's their brother and he's ticked at me or he loves me. He's going to realize that they're going to run back home which is not going to be an overnight travel. It's going to be a week-long travel, maybe a little bit faster with, with what they gave them, but they were taking quite a bit, all the donkeys and, and all the grain. He's going to realize my dad's going to get to know I'm alive again. What a tremendous moment in time. It's a, it's a day that he will never forget a day he never forgot, I'm sure, until the day he died. Just think of Joseph's own children. His two children, their lives were forever going to be changed because they were going to get to meet their new grandpa, the grandpa that they've only heard stories about. Joseph also encourages his brothers. You see, Joseph's looking at his brothers and, and he sees that they don't know what to say. They're in complete shock. They're looking at them, I'm sure with their mouths dropped to the floor. What in the world? And when he spoke the language so beautifully and, 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 and was able to articulate certain things, they had to just be in amazement. And so he encourages them. He says, you know what? You guys didn't sell me into slavery. God put me into slavery so I can save you. He, he wanted to say, don't fret over that. Don't worry about that. It was all meant for a great thing, and God had done it. He'll say it again in chapter 50, but he says it here in 45. It's all God. God has done that. He has done that situation for a reason. And he sees it now. 20 plus years later, he sees the reason, and this is the reason. If he hadn't done that, they would have starved to death. He said there's five years left in the famine. So this is year two of the famine. There's five years left. They would have, they would have died. They would not have had anything to eat 
but God knew that ahead of time. We're going to push the pause button right here because this is a moment again that his brothers will never forget. They'll never forget this moment as they were looking on. And their brother, remember the day Joseph told us who he really was? You remember the day when Joseph said, hey, don't worry about it. It's God who's doing it. You know, when somebody shows you love like that, that's hard to replace. That's hard to ever forget. When someone cares about you so much and is willing to forgive you, that becomes emotional. God can be used. God will get the glory in your times of joy, but also in your times of pain. Sometimes we don't realize it right off the bat. We have to spend a lot of time, a lot of years, dreading something or trying to figure it out. But in the end, God will get his glory. Finally, we see Joseph expresses his love to his family. He expresses his love to his family. And not only did Joseph lay his head on his younger brother and, and weep with him, and he, and he hugged and kissed his other brothers, but he, he saw to it through Pharaoh's blessing that they were just given tons of stuff, gifts, to show that, hey, not only do I forgive you, not, not only that this was God's, but you know what? I want to bless you. I, I want to bless you for who you are. You ever do that to, to somebody? Somebody's offended you and, and, and said something, and, and you go up to them the next time you see them, and you just kill them with love. They don't know what to do. Don't do it out of spite or being mean or or just being funny with them. Do it because of your love for the Lord. Go up to them and just love on them. There's a guy who, who made the, the craziest comment to me many, many, many months ago. And I saw him probably five times after that in the next two weeks. Five different times. And I killed him with love and I showed him how much I cared about him. And you know what? That gentleman lost his wife not long ago, and I've been able to sit with him at the BP several different times, caring for him and him giving me his ear and him sharing some of his hurtful things that have gone on in his life as, as he's a widower but it's all God. It's all because God gave me the ability to just love him in the tough moment. Are you willing to do that? Not are you willing to give 10 female donkeys to someone. Maybe, maybe, that's, what it, maybe that's what it is. Maybe sometimes it's, it's, it's actually giving them 
something financially, helping them out in a time of need. Maybe it's a family member that has just been a mooch and, and annoying and, and has done wrong things, and, and now you look at them and, and you say, you know what, I love you. And you can't do anything about that because you can't change the fact that I love you and that I'm praying for you. Here's $20. Help you with your gas. Love people in real ways. This story also reflects a story Jesus told his followers. It reflects the story that Jesus had told in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I won't read it all, but it says, Peter came up and said to him, Lord, and it's interesting, he says the word brother here, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter says, as many as seven times? He does the same thing to me seven times. Am I still to forgive him? And what's Jesus' response? I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Now, that he, Jesus isn't giving an exact answer there. He's just saying that it's an unlimited amount. You just keep forgiving. He then tells a story about a king who forgave a guy who had no way paying the amount and he goes you know what you're forgiven that 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 unnameable amount don't worry about it wiped away your slate is clean and then that guy walks out of the chambers of the king and he sees another person who owes him just a tiny bit just owes him a tiny bit and he grabs him by the neck and he says give me the money now and the guy goes, I, I can't pay it. And instead of forgiving, just like he saw the example of the king, he said, you know what? You're going to go to jail until I get my money, which was an allowable thing. King finds out about that and doesn't go well for the, the guy who just demanded the money. He's thrown in prison and his family's thrown in prison. At the end it says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, Jesus wisely adds from your heart. It's, it's not fake. It's real. So these, these two stories remind us that we're all offenders and that we've all been offered forgiveness. We're all offenders and we've been offered forgiveness. And this is absolutely crucial for us to understand as believers in Jesus Christ. In fact, if you do not trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is, uh, a un, this is an unbelievable statement to understand. Because every single day, you and I are offending the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every single day. We're all offenders. We all go against Jesus Christ in different ways. Sometimes it's things we say. Sometimes it's things we don't say. Sometimes it's things we do or we don't do. We have a unique ability to sin. 
We just do. And, and it's, it's the acceptance of that sin that we start to understand, wait a minute. If I'm a sinner, if, I, if I've sinned, and, and, and Josh has, has sinned, but why am I better than Josh? Or, or why is Josh better than me? Are, are we, are, aren't we the same? Because we both have offended the only person that we need to honor. Absolutely crucial for us to understand. But at the same time, with both of us offering an offense, we've been given forgiveness. We have been given an absolutely free gift of forgiveness. Just like the king forgave the guy who, who owed so much money, our slate has been wiped clean. We've li literally been wiped clean, given a clean slate. Uh, we've been forgiven of all of our sins because of one thing, Jesus Christ. Because of his life, his death, and his resurrection. We've all offended Jesus Christ. But each of us, all of us, have been offered forgiveness. We need to be willing to accept that. We have to be willing to accept both of those things. We have to be willing to accept that we have sinned, and we've got to be willing to accept that we've been offered forgiveness. Therefore, assuming we've opened our hearts in order, order to fully accept Jesus Christ, we need to open our hearts to forgive others. When we understand that, when we understand God's forgiveness and our, our ability to sin, we start empathizing and understanding other people. We start understanding that, that, that the clerk at... at the Casey's in, in Leland, that she wasn't being mean to me. Maybe she was showing me that she was mean. She really wasn't. She's super nice today. But maybe, maybe that's what she's, and, I, and now I'm offended, and I'm mad, and I'm angry, and you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her off, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to her manager. Well, all of a sudden, when we start to realize, you know what? We're not so nice to people, too. We start thinking about ourselves and start thinking, oh, remember that time when that situation was going on in my life? We see that in teenagers' lives. I have three teenagers, and, and we see that all the time where, where they'll be upset at, at a specific person about something, and we offer, oh, but remember when you did this? We, we start seeing different things. I, Sherry and I, we've moved a few times. And, and we, we start understanding that just because there was a situation where we saw someone wasn't helping us with the move, we start reflecting, you know what? We haven't helped everybody with their moves either. Or, or, I didn't get a card for this birthday, or I didn't get, a, didn't get something for Christmas from that person. I can't believe that. 
did you get them something? Or is there somebody else that you didn't give it to? You start looking at, at all those things and you understand, you know what? We need to open our hearts to forgive others. So what are the steps towards forgiveness? Because that's exactly what this is. That's what this whole chapter was about, showing us the steps towards forgiveness. Because when Jesus Christ was on the cross, when Jesus Christ was on the cross, he offered forgiveness without anyone asking for it. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's pretty awesome. So if we want to follow God's example, we must first refocus our lens. And this is the moment where a situation happens and we stop and we take a deep breath. We take a deep breath and we, we try to figure out and understand the situation that, that's come at us. We try to understand why my brother's done that to me all these years or why my uncle was that way or, or whatever it might be. And we start to make the decision, you know, I'm going to reevaluate this according to Scripture, not according to my own thoughts or my own emotions. And that's probably, I'll use the word trick, it's not, not the appropriate word, that, that's the right process, is leaning right back into God's Word. What does Scripture say about this situation? But we, say we, allow emotions to affect our decisions. So we need to refocus our lens. It also reminds our, ourselves, we need to remind ourselves of our connection with other offenders. And this is what I was talking about with Sherry and I, with, with uh, the people who weren't helping us move. Just remind, oh, wait, wait a minute, we, we've offended other people. We haven't helped people in their time of need. We haven't been there for somebody to scratch their back when, when it was itching, and, and we need to think about those situations of how we have also offended people. After seeing the connection, we need to remember forgiveness is a command. Forgiveness is truly a command in Scripture, and it just makes sense. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Unbelievable to think of that. We are to follow the example of our Lord and Savior of truly forgiving people whether or not they ask for forgiveness. Now that, I am not saying, we've already talked about that within this message, to blindly just say, ah, oh, do whatever you want to me. Ah, oh, treat me poor, stomp on me, step on me, do whatever. We're not preaching that, and that is not scriptural, depending on the situation. I am saying that you are to seek the Lord out and to allow God to forgive others, allow God to work in your heart so you can forgive others. And the only way to do that is to request help from God. You have to be requesting help from him because he's the only one who can 
who can really guide you as, as you have given your life to Jesus Christ and submitted to him, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and gives you the ability to really love other people, genuinely, to care about them. It, it helps you with your responses and how you're going to forgive them. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. I'm admitting I am a transgressor. I am a sinner. And my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Remember, when people are sinning against you, they're not. They're sinning against God. They're going against God. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in your secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Finally, reserve some time to heal before trusting again. This is where I'm saying don't blindly just trust people 100%. Yes, forgive them, love them, care about them, but be somewhat cautious about just letting them completely control your life situation. Love them so much that sometimes you don't give them control of what's happening in your life. Your job, your uh, focus in your life needs to be obedience to Jesus Christ. Not obedience to your spouse, not obedience to your parents, not obedience uh, to your boss, but to Jesus Christ. All those other things are probably wonderful things, are great things in our society, but your obedience to Jesus Christ is the utmost importance. And there's nothing wrong with taking your time to properly heal. Nothing wrong at all to taking time to heal. In the end, though, you should forgive 77 times when somebody does something to you. One last date. Lisa. August 1st, 1991. August 1st, 1991. This is the moment that your pastor bowed his knee to Jesus Christ. This is the moment that my life didn't change just for this earthly life, but for eternity. This is the moment in time that my life completely changed. Yeah, everything didn't change physically around me or even totally mentally, but my life was forever transformed for eternity. And my prayer is, is that you have that moment in time.
I know, Josh, you're excited about getting married. But the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ is way more important than the day you got married. That is the moment in time that we never want to forget. You may not know the exact day. Some of you grow, grew up knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it, and, it, and it just developed, and that's wonderful. But some of you have that date locked in. Like me, August 1st, 1991, nearly midnight, and I bowed my knee in my room, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That's the moment in time that we want to capture, that we want to etch in stone for eternity. Amen? Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, you are king. You are king of kings and lord of lords, and we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory for all that you have done. Thank you for the imagery we have through the Bible, through Genesis, and in particular the story of Joseph and his family. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer. Thank you for uh, your life and your death and your resurrection. Thank you for giving us the example. As you were bleeding, as you were dying, that you forgave those who persecuted you, for they knew not what they do. God, too many times we know not what we do. Thank you for forgiving us. And so many times people who we think are against us or we think that are, are doing something uh, to harm us, they know not what they do. May we offer similar forgiveness. May we worship you with pure hearts. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.